0: Good morning, Wisconsin. So let's pour that coffee and talk to some experts about what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Should we talk about the government?
1: Let's get right to it. Good morning, everybody. Uh, on the line, the Tri County Contracting Hotline is the Governor of the State of Wisconsin, Tony Evers. Good morning, Governor. And we cannot hear the governor. All right, so
2: there. Can you, you? Can you hear me, Steve?
1: Yeah, now we got you. Now we got you. Good. Thanks for thank, thanks for coming. On. We only have a short amount of time, and the, and the audio is not great. So let's let's do it this way. Um, Big, big week. You signed the the new maps for Wisconsin. Is this the end of the redistricting conversation for Wisconsin right now?
2: Uh, Yes, it is as far as uh, the uh, the state. Uh, I think the court will be looking at congressional maps also. But uh, as far as uh, our, our work, yes, it is done.
1: What do you think the new maps will accomplish for the residents of Wisconsin?
2: Well, first of all, they're fair. Second of all, they're... We're going to have lots of races that are very, very close, and uh, uh, it's going to reflect the the will of the people. Uh, We will have competitive races. We'll have fair fair, uh, maps across the state, and uh, I I believe it's going to be a a win-win for the the voters of Wisconsin.
1: Republicans have said they won't challenge these maps. Do you believe them?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess I will. I will believe them. I mean, somebody else may do it, but they—they're likely not to because they—they're party to it. Uh, the legislature sent it to me. and I signed it, and away we go.
1: So you mentioned in your in your opening answer the congressional districts. Correct me if I'm wrong. Those are your those are the maps that you created for those districts. And if I'm wrong, let me know. But why why have the Supreme Court look at those?
2: Well, it's the same reason we asked them to, to look at uh, the, the the state maps, and that is. Under the former Supreme Court and the last time around, uh, they said their, pref- their preference was to keep things the same. And so that's exactly what happened. They, things were kept, by, by and large, the same. And so uh, they chose, on their, you know, with the state maps to make changes or allow changes, and uh, I'm hopeful that they'll do the same here. The last time we were, the, the court made it very clear, the best thing is to do nothing, and essentially, that's what happened with both sides. And uh, now we've made the changes on the state side. Seems logical that uh, they may want to take a look at it on, this, on the congressional side.
1: And last thing on the on the maps, so you are pretty confident as a governor of the state of Wisconsin that the, the maps that, that have now been signed by you, approved by the legislature, passed by the legislature, those will be the maps that we'll all be looking at for representation this year.
2: Yes, I, I believe so. And uh, uh, you know, the, the it's important that uh, this happens through the legislative process. That's the way it's supposed to work, and it, it worked this time. So, yeah, I believe it's going to be. But you, you know, people outside of the realm of the legislature or myself may want to look at something differently. But I feel confident that at the end of the day, these are the maps that we'll be using for the uh, for this election.
1: Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers joining us on the Political Power Hour. Let's shift to taxes. I know that a lot of attention gets paid, the redistricting and, and, and the maps, but when I talk to people on the phone or, or text and email, it's always about taxes in the state. Legislature has, has put forward a series of bills, not one large bill, that kind of looks at taxes in a different way, different pieces, retirees, certain child, child care credits, the, the, the actual brackets, it goes across a wide section of Wisconsin taxpayers. Will you sign some of that, all of that? Where are you at right now?
2: Well, we're in the process of reviewing them, obviously. And, uh, you know, for for example, do I think that uh, the child care piece, uh, something I talk about uh, a lot, uh, is, is likely to be, you know, signed by me? Probably, I I haven't looked at any of them, any before. I I know them from reading what I've seen uh, going forward during the the deliberations in the the, uh, Senate and the Assembly. Uh, So we'll take a look at it. I am in favor of uh, making sure that taxpayers are taken care of, and uh, uh, in fact, the income taxes I signed into law already uh, over the years, uh, taxpayers will see uh, $1.5 billion, primarily in the middle class, in tax relief annually, so it's not like something has not been done in the past. It has been, uh, but we'll take we'll take a look at it. I, I want to be fair about uh, making comments about something that uh, uh, we uh, I haven't fully looked at, and uh, but we you know it has to be responsible, has to be sustainable, has to be targeted to the middle class. Uh, so that that's kind of the priority, so we'll kind of put those priorities up against the uh, uh, the two or, th- or the three or four bills uh, that are coming forward to me.
1: You used the term middle class a couple of times, so I'm going to ask you to define it because I, I hear from a lot of people in the middle class. my definition is probably not yours, but I know that folks who are Both husband and wife, or both both people, both adults in the household, both working, raising a family, sending their kids off to college or tech school, whatever it is, they're getting hammered with taxes. They're paying a lot of the lion's share of taxes. Shouldn't they get the bulk of this surplus?
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. I I don't know about the bulk. I mean, we have to keep things sustainable going forward, but uh, uh, to empty out the coffers probably isn't uh, necessarily the best thing to do. But uh, we're we're, The tax plan that we've uh, done before, it was uh, identified middle class of 150,000 and less and, you know, married uh, group and and, and less. So that that I think is probably still an accurate way to determine it uh, as as it relates to the tax uh, tax relief. I know you go
1: around this state a lot, you're, 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 I see your schedule, you're, you're very busy. What are, what are the taxpayers, not just the ones that agree with you, the Democrats, what are the Republicans? There's a lot of those in Wisconsin as well, it's a it's a state that's pretty well divided, you know this. What are they, what are they sharing with you? What are their concerns? Is it is something beyond what we just talked about, which was maps and taxes?
2: Oh, well, they t- talk about a lot of things. Uh, I I spend a lot of time in small businesses across the state, and uh, they're you know they're they're always looking for help and but but making sure that uh, uh, they're uh, you know recognized as a legitimate. Uh, uh, part of our economy and I, I absolutely do i think they're just they're doing a great job here in wisconsin i hear a lot about school uh, uh school funding and i hear you know what what you hear on your 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 radio show the school funding and they you know people are happy about shared revenue but they're concerned about their schools uh i i hear all sorts of things about child care and that that still is a concern of mine yes there is a tax credit here that will not in any way uh deal with the issue of keeping these people in business i mean there's a lot of them that are going to go go belly up because of the you know the different things that impact them and yeah, we we have to support that industry or we're going to have Fewer people in the workforce, and that's not very helpful for Wisconsin. So I hear about that. I I hear about all numbers. Yes, yeah, do I hear about income taxes? I, I yes, I do. But I I can't say that that's all I hear. I hear a lot of other things also. It's fine. It's important for me to get around the state. I, I know there are a lot of important things happening here in the Capitol building, but uh, frankly, it's good to hear. Uh, people's uh, needs and uh, you know for example up north during this winter it's been a deal it's been a horrible deal for business owners Mm -hmm. and others and we've been able to work with uh, Senator Baldwin to get some money for the folks up there and uh, that have been struggling.
1: Uh, Real quick because I know you got to go when when might we expect to see your decision on these uh, the uh, legislation that the the, uh, legislature has sent to you on on the taxation issues?
2: I I would say it it could be within a week or two.
1: Governor Tony Evers, always appreciate your time. Thanks for taking it.
2: Take care, Steve. Bye-bye. All right,
1: you're listening to the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. After the break, another guy who knows his stuff, Charles Franklin from the MU Law School Poll will join us. Lots of questions for Charles as we uh, talk about the election and, Who's got the numbers, who doesn't? That's next on WTMJ. All right, we talked to the governor to open up the show. Busy show today. Rick Essenberg from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty going to be joining us after the bottom of the hour news. Right now from the Marquette Law School poll, which is the gold standard for polling in the state of Wisconsin. My words. Charles Franklin joins us. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Good to be with you. Always great to talk to you. I've been looking at some of your numbers on uh, on the Twitter that you guys put out. You, I love the fact that you guys are interactive with uh, social media because that, that makes it easier for those of us who have to consume all that. Um, I apparently have some new numbers coming out today looking at the Republican race for president. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Uh, national poll for uh, both the general election and for the primary. All right. You want to tease your data? oh sure uh, all right this is out now <laughs> all right good <laughs> let's go we're street legal talking about this. <laughs> um so in the in the national republican primary we have trump at 73 percent to haley at 15 percent a huge margin that's a little bigger than in wisconsin in our january poll we had trump at 64 uh haley at 22 um Still, big, big margins. We're going to see the South Carolina primary this Saturday. Mm-hmm. So we'll get actual votes there, and we'll see how that turns out. Um, on the general election, it's very tight in the national race, 51 for Trump, 49 for Biden. Um, very, very close inside the margin of error, certainly. Uh, and we also see the potential for third-party candidates to pick up uh, substantial votes. There, it becomes a three-point margin for Trump when you include uh, Kennedy and uh, Jill Stein, the Green candidate, mm-hmm. and Cornell West, another independent. Um, we had some conversations
1: offline about a week or so ago, and, we were, and it was related to the uh, in, uh, NY3 race, the congressional race for to the, replace the uh, the uh, expelled. George Santos and and some of the claims people were making. I, I asked you directly. On, I think it was on email or mm-hmm. may have been text uh, about uh, accusations of Republican bias or lean. What did you make of that? Uh,
0: I'm sorry, Republican or bias or lean in, in that, that race. I'm I'm sorry, I just missed the point.
1: Yeah, the congressional race in New York. I, I was we were yeah. asked, we were chatting offline about that, oh. and I said some people were saying on social media there, there there's there's a bias in this data, this this pre-election day data. What do you make of that?
0: Oh, in the polling being a a pro Republican bias, right? Uh, Yeah, well, that was something that, excuse me, seemed to show up late in the 2022 campaigns around the country. Uh, It seems to have largely been caused by a set of uh, Republican-affiliated or leaning pollsters having a lot of polls late in the campaign that were too optimistic for Republicans. If you looked at other polling that had been consistently done throughout the year, uh, we didn't see as big of a move towards Republicans in the polling at the end. Finally, if you come back to our polls in Wisconsin uh, in 2022, for example, we were a bit under on the governor's race. We had it tied, and Governor Evers won re-election by just over uh, three points. We had... Um, The Senate race, we had uh, Johnson by two, and he won by one. So both of those were just a little better for Republicans uh, than than for Democrats. On the other hand, that average error for us was 2.2 points in 2022. That's exactly equal to our long-term average miss of being off by two points or so.
1: Charles Franklin joining us from the MU Law School poll. A, a uh, emailer asked me this question when they saw that I was going to have you on this week. So I'll ask you, do you ever get the sense, and maybe this is this is not just your poll and, and I, I just want to ask uh-huh. you generally, that sometimes your respondents are
0: playing around with you? Um, you know, it's always a possibility, and we check for such things. We look for whether people answer yes to a whole series of questions, for example, regardless of which direction. We also look to see whether they finish the interview in unreasonably short amounts of time. So there are those kinds of checks. I think the biggest protection, though, is we're asking people 40-some-odd questions. It is mentally very taxing to consistently lie through all of that, (laughs) to misrepresent your own preferences, um, constantly picking the side you actually don't believe. I don't think we have any evidence that most people do that. And if you listen to telephone interviews, I think you come away with the overwhelming sense that most respondents are just good citizens who want to or are at least willing to answer questions about politics, even if they're not super engaged. And I think it's sort of a, a satisfying feeling to hear what people say in these interviews. Yes, there may be the occasional person that's spoofing us or misrepresenting. But more often than not, it comes through as people who are just really undecided about something and have trouble picking an answer rather than that they're distorting their views. Charles, join me for
1: my Decision Wisconsin podcast it's about a month or so ago, and we talked a lot about the methodology, so I'm not going to dig into that. But I do want to ask you about uh, some of your recent polling looked at the popularity maybe lack of popularity of US Supreme Court justices and somewhat surprisingly not well known except for like Kavanaugh and maybe um Clarence Thomas.
0: No, that's right. And even there, compared to most political figures, they're very little known. Um forty one percent said they didn't know enough about Clarence Thomas to have an opinion. Forty seven percent about Kavanaugh. But everybody else on the court, including the chief justice, was over half that said they didn't know enough to have an opinion. And it's not surprising. The individual justices are not very visible. They don't <clears throat> usually go out and do big public events. Um, and so people tune into to the news about the court when it makes big decisions or maybe when it hears big cases. That said, there does seem to be among those who do have an impression of of the justices, that those impressions, those favorable and unfavorable ratings, tend to line up reasonably well with partisanship and with ideology. So you see people who think of themselves as liberal generally have a more positive view of the liberal justices and a more negative view of the conservative justices and vice versa. So there is some partisan and ideological structuring that makes sense. But the overwhelming point is how little known the court is in any level of detail and even how many people are unaware of major court decisions, at least before they come down. Um, The decision overturning Roe v. Wade is a good example of that. Prior to that coming down, we were seeing 20 to 30 percent saying they hadn't heard that there was a a case pending about that. But after it came down, uh, that dropped to under 10 percent who hadn't heard of the decision. Got to leave it there, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk down the road. Always look look uh,
1: forward to you sharing your wisdom. Charles Franklin, MU Law School. Paul, have a great day. Good to be with you. Thanks. All right. We'll continue the political power hour after a quick break on WTMJ. Lots going on today. Busy show. Governor Tony Evers leading us off. Charles Franken, MU Law School poll. And I've got my friend Rick Essenberg from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, who's going to join us. Talk, so much to talk about. This redistricting thing is amazing to me. All the nuance of that. Is it over? I asked the governor that question. Will his organization says, well, we're not going to, we're not going to file suit the challenge. Everybody is just kind of wondering what's the next piece? What's the next thing to drop? And maybe, maybe, just maybe it's, it's going to, these are the maps. We're just going to go forward with these. Uh, so we'll talk to Rick about that. Certainly we'll even some of the Trump trial questions that are looming out there. Right? The president, uh, that immunity question is still hanging out there. Ballot access and all the fun things happening in Fulton County, Georgia. We'll get Rick's take on that. Will the prosecutor have to recuse herself after claims of uh, misconduct and r- affairs within her investigation? That's all. Fodder for our next conversation with Rick Essenberg. He's always a great guest, and he always comes with his uh, his sharp wisdom. So we'll look forward to that conversation in a little bit. We're scheduled to be joined by Rick Essenberg from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Everybody's messing with me today. I don't know why that is. All in good fun. Uh, Rick will be on, the, on on the line shortly here. Um, while we're waiting, uh, thanks to the governor for coming on, Tony Evers. We, I've been. I've been nudging him a little bit because his ass has been on for a long time. I think it was State Fair. So we're having some fun with that. And then um, I always like talking to Charles Frank, And One, he's a smart guy. But two, he is going to be the data that we use as we sort of prepare to vote in the, the latter part of this year for President of the United States and some of the other races. So it's it's great to get a, a refresher every so often on, on what data he's using, what he's looking at, what his data is showing. So I love those conversations. And one of the things about the political power hour that you might recognize, a lot of guests, but I, I look at it this way. Subject matter experts. That's how I look at it. And as much as I love to talk, and I demonstrated that for seven years this week on WTMJ, um, I, I'm more interested and I'm curious about the experts who weigh in on these very important topics from a lot of different perspectives. If you haven't listened to the show uh, at, when we change it on Monday, Monday's is journalists. Uh, so we have TV, we have uh, journalists from newspapers and magazines, Tuesday's writers on politics from a ideological, political perspective. So we have uh, Christian Snyder, who writes for National Review Online, a conservative writer, we have Dan Schaefer, who writes the recombobulation area, which is sort of uh, the left side of the political aisle. He, he, he's more state than national, but we're certainly going to ramp it up uh, over the course of this year. We have to, right? we got a presidential election. And then, uh, of course, James Wagerson who will join me. I have just added another uh, writer to the mix that I'll be announcing uh, in the next couple of weeks. So that's Tuesday, Wednesday is, of course, the public safety focus. Annie Schwartz joins me most Wednesdays, and when she doesn't, we'll still have a public safety, at least part of that hour will be public safety fo- focused. Thursday, my legal experts. We have former Supreme Court justices. We have current judges. We're going to have judges who are retired, certainly attorneys, and that's where Rick Essenberg falls into the mix. And then Friday, the, the guys, right, they basically are the reason we call this show the political power is because they did it so well on Fridays for so long. I mean, the they are the uh, the go-to guys. That's not going anywhere. So Bill and Joel, of course, will join me uh, 9 to 10 on Fridays. And probably as we get close to the election, probably more often than that because they have a lot to say, and they are two very, very smart political strategists, one from the left, one from the right. We'll do this. We'll take another quick break here, and then hopefully Rick Essenberg will join us on the phone. You're listening, of course, to the Political Power Hour right here on WTMJ. Still on uh, on the uh, lookout for Rick Essenberg, but while we're doing that, my Twitter poll is up, so uh, you can refresh your Twitter feed and, and uh, vote now if you're not on the uh, Twitter. I'm not, I'm just going to call it Twitter. I'm, this whole X thing is is dumb to me. Everybody calls it Twitter. I'm going to call it Twitter. Maybe that's not right, but I'm still going to do it anyway. So if I if I pull up my Twitter on my good old smartphone, which is working today, by the way, because some some of the folks uh, with AT and T and some of the other providers have a little bit of difficulty. Mine's working like a champ. So let me pull up the show poll real quick, and we'll we'll get your thoughts on this. This is something that certainly is part of our conversation this year. Uh, this one, businessman Eric Hubdy jumped into the Senate race in Wisconsin this week, announcing his intentions to run for the Republican nomination against incumbent Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin. If the election were today, today, people, understand it's not today, who would you vote for? Hubdy? Baldwin, other. Now, I just teed this one up. We already have almost 300 votes. So I know there's interest in this race. This is going to be a big deal, a lot of money spent. One of the swirling questions, of course, is how much out-of-state money? And that's an important question uh, that we will certainly talk about throughout the course of this year. Right now, with, I said, almost 300 votes, current incumbent junior senator from Wisconsin, Tammy Baldwin leading with 59%. Now, somebody said in the poll on one of the comments, oh, this is not surprising, right? It's not surprising. If you look at her previous races, she she wins by big margins. I don't think this race will be like that for a lot of different reasons. these uh, at 38%, so 59-38. That's a pretty significant margin. Again, the election's not today, folks. We're going to learn a lot about these candidates. The current senator, Tammy Baldwin, she has a record she can run on. A businessman or an outsider, he doesn't call himself that, but he's somebody who uh, has interest in other places. But I would, I would uh, pump the brakes on that he's an out of towner. He he raised his daughter here. He's certainly been here. He's somebody who was, he knows Wisconsin well. He's well respected. And I can tell you that the people I'm talking to in Republican circles always say this about Eric Hubdee really smart. Really, really smart. So that's something that I think you have to think about in the context of this race. Way too early, but if you have a thought, 855-616-1620, that is the WTMJ Talk and Text Line, or the easy way on Twitter as our votes pile up. Right now, Baldwin a big lead. I wonder how that one will end up. I'll certainly uh, give you those results on tomorrow's program with Bill and Joe on the Friday edition, where it all started, the political power, right here on WTMJ. All right, we'll take a break. We'll see what's up with Rick Essenberg. If not, i got plenty of other things to talk about as we wind it up to the 10 o'clock hour and the news right here on WTMJ. We will try to reconnect with Rick Essenberg. I'm not sure what happened there, but we will uh, we'll follow up with him and see if we can get him on next week. There's a lot of things going on with, obviously, the, the legal side, the law related to all the things like redistricting, certainly. And, and uh, one of my questions for Rick was going to be, is this the end? Are these the maps? And I think that's the big question. It's looming. I asked the governor that question when he joined us in the uh, early minutes of this show. And uh, I want to thank the governor uh, for coming on. It's been a while. I was going to tease him, but I decided not to. because There were so many questions I wanted to ask him. And hopefully I asked, I asked your question. The tax thing is interesting to me because, and I mentioned this to the governor, the way that they did this, they being the legislature, they curved it up into separate bills, these pieces. Uh, help for retirees, uh, a child care tax credit going from, I think, 400 something to 780. And, and don't quote me on the numbers, but they're close. Um, certainly the tax bracket. I was encouraged by the fact that the governor recognized that a lot of the folks who make what seems like a large number, 100,000 or 120,000, that's the middle class. Whether some people don't like that, that, that that number is included in that, in that mix, that's, that's a different question. And I think when you look at these issues, what's first and foremost, to me, our state has been sitting on a surplus for a while. It was, I think it was as high as $7 billion. It's less than now some of the money's been spent. Uh, we are looking at sort of that last big chunk. Now, if you ask me, should we spend it all? Probably not. And I think the governor has said that, even that maybe the legislature. I don't want to speak for them, but, but they would probably argue that there's some uh, reason why you want to hang on to some of that money. You never know, right? Some, some people call it a rainy day fund. That's not what this is. But it's a surplus that we paid into, we being Wisconsin taxpayers. But that's why I asked them the question, who's going to get this money back? Because to me, and probably to most of you, that that, that question is just as important as when it's going to happen. Because that's money that we can use, we already overpaid, to finance our personal family budgets. Um, I haven't done this in a while, so I want to give the, the text line some love. I don't do tons of this now in the shortened show, but... Um, And and keep in mind, always, always, always take this with a grain of salt. The text line is is an interesting place. You'll have a wide variety of opinion. It's probably the widest spectrum of opinion that I could do for anything on my show. Phone calls are one thing, but the text line is hundreds and hundreds of texts churning every hour when you have a show on that sort of address the things you're talking about. So a couple on the, the issue that I was mentioning with... Uh, the Senate race. Uh, this one from the 262. Uh, and I don't read these in any particular, for any particular reason, other than you took the time to respond, so I will give you some thoughts. Uh, Senator Baldwin will continue to get my vote. She, always, she always responds to contact by an adult daughter regarding issues, whereas Senator Johnson never has. Uh, this one from the 414. Uh, Steve, I guess it's never too early for you to start giving free publicity to the Republican Party. It's funny that you say that because one of the things that people like to accuse me of is that I, I'm not towing the party line for Republicans as much. So that suggests to me that we have a good mix. And, uh, one of the things you'll notice about the political power hour in its new time, nine to 10, shortened time, and its format is we're going to have a lot of people on the show and they're going to be all over the spectrum. Um, and I'm going to talk about my podcast in a second because that's another place to go. If you, if you don't, you're not getting satiated with the 9 to 10. I've got a lot of podcasts. I think I'm up to like 24 podcasts uh, that I've done since January on politics. There's a lot of stuff there. And one of the things that I want to do this year is to keep you as well informed, not just what I'm thinking, but what the subject matter experts are thinking, what the Charles Franklins are thinking, what the governor of the state of Wisconsin is thinking, what the, the leadership in both parties, elected officials on occasion, journalists, those folks in the legal community, writers on politics who come in with a a bias towards one ideology or other. You, sh- you can't be afraid of that, and it's good to listen. Somebody said, I can't listen to this. You should listen to this. That's the best way to look at it. Uh, Aaron says, Eric Havdi is smart. I'm telling you that's what people are saying. I've never met Eric Havdi. I I've, I've, have reached out to him this week. Uh, to his staff to get him on the show. That will happen as soon as possible because I want to hear from him. Uh, That similar invitation always goes out to the junior senator, Timmy Baldwin, and the senior senator, Ron Johnson. And they are always welcome on the program and that will continue as long as this show exists. Um, One thing on podcasts. So a lot of people ask me when I was out at a restaurant the other day, why, you know, you have a shortened show, what are you doing the rest of your time? Well, I'm working on podcasts. I do three new podcasts a week. Two of them, solely politics. It's called Decision Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We add some additional ones in with the countdown to the RNC banner. But I look at politics from a lot of perspectives, and that could be Charles Franklin was on one of our early ones. I had Bill and Joe, Joseph Pecky, Bill McCosh on one of our earlier, earlier ones. Uh, I've talked to faith leaders. That's going to be one that runs next week, uh, I believe Monday. It'll publish Monday morning early with my friend Rabbi Jacob Herber looking at the intersection between faith and politics. Because I've talked about this on the program before. There seems to be an ever-increasing awareness that those two worlds are colliding in interesting ways. And I think you'll be surprised at at Rabbi Herbert's response to that. It was an interesting, interesting response to that question when I asked him uh, on our recording day. Uh, And also, uh, national journalists, from their perspective, I got a great one, really interesting conversation with... Miguel Marquez, who works for CNN, he's a he's sort of a vagabond reporter. They send him around the country, he travels all over the place. He was here probably, had to be four years ago, covering the 2020 race. He actually sat in studio with me for three hours. I had him on the air. Uh, we had a cameraman here, and he ended up using some of that, that uh, recording on CNN. Looking at Wisconsin's voters, and the great thing about Miguel, what he does really, really well, he, he looks at individual voters in races across the country and what voters are saying. Not the candidates, not the parties, but what voters are saying. So you can find that podcast, Decision Wisconsin, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify. It's all searchable now by Decision Wisconsin or my name. And you can always find it, of course, on WTMJ.com. That's the easy way, of course. And all of our great content is always available at WTMJ.com. Or, another easy way, because producer Charlie's on top of everything, text the word RNC, takes you right to the link for the podcast page. Now, that's Decision Wisconsin. Real quickly, before I get out of here, the other fun one that I get to do, because I can't just talk about politics, even though this show is a political show. I love talking about other stuff. So, Scafidiology is my sort of fun, it's not exclusively everything but politics, but almost. I had Mayor Johnson on last week, so that sort of crossed the line. But, I got a really awesome one this week. And a fun one next week as well. This week, Radio Legends, and I I don't use that term lightly, Carol Kane and Steve Palak combined 80-plus years in broadcasting in this market. We had a wild conversation. It was about 22 minutes, I think, 20 minutes. And it was a blast. And and they had been on the show together with me a week or so ago. It was fun to kind of chat informally. And uh, Palak tells stories, Carol tells stories, and we just had... Uh, a trio of radio people talking about radio, and, and they have an incredible history. So that's that's this Friday's podcast, Scafidiology. Also searchable wherever you get your podcasts or at WTMG.com. And then next week, my friend Andy Tarnoff, who is that you say? He's like the city of Milwaukee's biggest fan. He loves this city. If you don't know his name, he's the founder of OnMilwaukee.com. What is that? It's an online platform for news, Milwaukee news, entertainment. They were around before Google was a thing. 25 years this year, and it's a brilliant, fun, snarky at times conversation with Andy Tarnoff on all things, including his new podcast. Podcast talking about a podcast. If if you were, or it was just fun to do that. So we had that that fun with with uh, Andy Tarnoff. That'll be next Friday's confidiology. So lots to look forward to. Don't forget tomorrow's show, the Political Power Hour with Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky. Uh, Sorry about Rick Asenberg. We'll try to reconnect with him, get him on the show at a later date. Thanks for listening.